The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The second full day of President Trump's impeachment trial has just concluded, and Senator Ted Cruz has come straight from the Capitol to our studio here to help give us all a behind-the-scenes look into what this means for the president and the country. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. I am joined by the senator himself, clearly a glutton for punishment, not sleeping at all this week, going straight from the impeachment trial to the studio, right back to the Capitol. Well, Michael, uh, I'm thrilled that it's at least 11 p.m. and not (laughs) 3 in the morning like it was last night. This is an early night. It's been 22 hours now of the impeachment trial, and, and we've still got a distance to go, but, but, but we're making progress. You know what I want to do? Before we get into what happened today, because yep. I think some significant things happened today, we're 22 hours in. I think the vast majority of Americans have completely tuned out this impeachment. They are simply not paying attention. What is it that the House Democrats are accusing President Trump of having done? What is at the core of this whole impeachment trial? So the House Democrats voted out two articles of impeachment. The first one is something they're calling abuse of power. Mm -hmm. The second one they're calling obstruction of Congress. Neither one of those is a crime. Neither one of those, I believe, is an impeachable offense. But what do those refer to specifically? So abuse of power is where they focus most of their time. 
And, and what they're arguing is that the president delayed military aid to Ukraine. Now, Ukraine is a country in Europe, used to be part of the Soviet Union, broke off. It's now a separate democracy. It's a friend. It's an ally. Remember back in 2014 when Obama was president, Russia invaded Ukraine, right. invaded what's, what's called Crimea. And, and Russia and Ukraine have been in real tension. The Ukrainians don't like that the Russians have had a bad history of, of riding in with tanks and invading their country. And, and so we've given them military aid. And, and what the Democrats are arguing is the president delayed that military aid in exchange for asking Ukraine to launch two investigations. One, an investigation into whether Ukraine had interfered in the 2016 presidential election, the election between Trump and Hillary. Okay. And two, an, an, an investigation into Burisma, which is a Ukrainian natural gas company uh, that on whose board Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, sat. They'd paid Biden a, a whole lot of money. And it was not for his expertise in Ukrainian <laughs> natural gas. Well, that, that is certainly true. Right. Um, so so this, this is what people refer to as the quid pro quo. Yes. That, that Trump was withholding military aid and he wasn't going to release the aid until they launched an investigation into the Bidens because he is afraid that he's going to run against Joe Biden in right. 2020. And they've spent almost every minute of the last 22 hours trying to lay, prove those two points. Okay. Here's the problem. Number one, temporarily delaying military aid is not illegal, and it's not an impeachable offense. Yeah. Presidents have done that over and over and over again. All sorts of foreign aid, you see temporary delays that are put into place. But number two, asking a foreign country to engage in an investigation is not illegal on its face, and it's not an impeachable offense. That, that, that's what there's... And in fact, the president admits he asked Ukraine to engage in these investigations, so it's, it's really kind of stunning. They're and, standing up there arguing over and over again. The president wanted Ukraine to investigate. And Trump has said on live TV over and over again, yes, I wanted Ukraine to investigate. We've seen the transcripts from this phone call with the president of Ukraine, right? This was released. I know most people's eyes glaze over when, when everyone gets into the weeds over what he did with Ukraine and is that impeachable and on and on and on. But, but I think we all basically agree on the, the facts of the case, which is... They withheld the aid, then they released the aid. President Trump did ask for an investigation by Ukraine yep. into this yep. corruption. And I, I guess what, what doesn't make sense to me is they impeached the president for this, except Ukraine got the aid and we never got an investigation into the corruption. Well, and, and, and it's even more, you're right on both of those points, but, but, but even more broadly. So, so it's the, the, the narrative from the House Democrats has changed. You remember there was, for a couple of months, we were hearing over and over again the, the phrase quid pro quo. Right. Um, quid pro quo is a sort of phrase. Look, most people don't know what quid pro quo means. It's a Latin phrase. It sounds kind of scary. Quid pro quos are not illegal. Th this would surprise anyone uh -huh. who's turning on the, the 6 o'clock news because the, 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 the media were breathlessly saying, my God, this may have been a quid pro quo. So quid pro quo is Latin for an exchange of something of value for something else of value. Well, it means literally this for that, right? I give you this, you give me that. Uh, you, you know, it would take a Yale graduate to, <laughs> to, to, to really dive down on the Latin uh, translation. You know what it is? It's my Roman heritage. That's where it comes from. <laughs> but look, quid pro quos in foreign policy, we do every single day. They're not only not, not illegal, it's the bread and butter of foreign policy. I'll give you an example. Hmm. 
Uh, Nicolas Maduro is, is the dictator of Venezuela right now. We have sanctions, economic sanctions in place against Venezuela. Right. We have said if, if Maduro steps down, we'll lift those sanctions. That's a quid pro quo. Hmm. It's out and it's right. open. We're lifting sanctions if Maduro steps down. You look at Obama's Iran nuclear deal. That was a quid pro quo. Hmm. Obama gave over $100 billion to Iran in exchange for a promise not to develop nuclear weapons. Now, that's a promise they weren't keeping, and they used the money to try to kill Americans, but that was a quid pro quo. <laughs> right. So all of this focus on was this a quid pro quo misses the point. The question is whether it was done with corrupt intent and that all comes down to whether these investigations, whether the president had a valid reason to ask Ukraine to engage in these investigations. And to withhold the aid. I, I, either or both. Okay. But, but, but the real piece, if the president had a, a valid reason, a legitimate reason to ask Ukraine to engage in the investigations, then everything the House is saying, everything the House Democrats are saying is nonsense. Right. And—, and what is interesting now, two days into it, is they've devoted virtually every moment to trying to prove that he asked for the investigations, which he admits. Which we already know. This it, is something we all agree he, on. We, and almost zero to proving that asking for the investigations was illegitimate or, or, or inappropriate. Well, this, this is what I want to get to. So you've now had to sit through 22 hours of this because there, there are three groups here, right? There's there are the House Democrats. Mm -hmm. They're being led by Adam Schiff, yeah. and they're the people who are pushing impeachment. There's President Trump's legal team, the White House counsel and his lawyer, and they're the ones defending the president. Mm -hmm. Then there's the jury, because yeah. this is a trial, and this is a special jury because the jury is you guys. The senators are the jury in the impeachment trial. You've been listening to this. And, and, and let me correct you briefly on something. Yes, the senators are the jury, but oddly enough, we're also the judges. Huh. And it's a right. strange dynamic. Under the Constitution, the 100 senators decide every question of law and every question of fact. And it's not a jury hmm. like, you know, if you turn on law and order, it's not a jury like that. You think about it, a jury is not supposed to know anything about the case, is not supposed to know the defendant, is not supposed right. to know the prosecutor, is not supposed to have conversations. In this case, senators, look, senators deal with the president, deal with the president all the time. The, the framers knew that when the Constitution gave impeachment to the Senate. They knew fully well senators would be dealing with, with, with players, would be involved, would be speaking to the public. And so... Actually, I, I will point out that the president did tweet out this very podcast today. So obviously <laughs> there is some relationship. There. Sure. But, you know, it's interesting. When Bill Clinton had an impeachment trial, there was actually an objection. So, so one, of the, one of the people in the trial referred to the senators as jurors, Hmm. And, and they raise an objection, and Chief Justice William Rehnquist, who's the Chief Justice, sustained the objection and said, you're right, you're not jurors, you're senators, and it's a different responsibility under the Constitution. Because, it's, because not to get even more complicated here, but there is a, a fourth role, which is that the Chief Justice of the Supreme mm -hmm. Court, head of the Supreme mm -hmm. Court, is presiding over impeachment. But he's not quite a normal judge, and the jury is not quite a normal jury. Right. And that is because an impeachment trial is unlike other kinds of trials. It, it, very much so. Now, you've, you've spent 22 hours listening to these two arguments from the House Democrats. <laughs> and, and let me say, by the way, to lock 100 senators in a room <laughs> and to prevent all of them from speaking. Look, I got to say, 
every one of us is suffering DTs. There's a reason I'm launching a damn podcast in the middle of this. I can't not talk <laughs> for that so much, long it's so w- without medical treatment. <laughs> well, you know, they, they used to say that the most dangerous place in Washington, D.C. was between Chuck Schumer and a television camera. Now, I think... Having... We actually don't know because no one's ever survived that experience. <laughs> it's true. It's, we, we need more investigation. I'm actually thinking, having watched the House Democrats case for impeachment... I think the most dangerous place might be between Adam Schiff and a camera because he's the one leading that case. And I just want to hear your thoughts on how each side is presenting their case. The House Democrats pushing impeachment, the White House lawyers defending the president. So yesterday we had procedural fights all day long. Uh, Half the time was the House Democrats. Half the time was President Trump's lawyers. Um, I thought they both did fine. I thought they both presented their case. Um, When you and I talked last night, I shared my views that I think I think the White House lawyers need to focus less on process and more on substance, more on demonstrating why the president is innocent, why the conduct that he admits to is not illegal, is not inappropriate, and is perfectly legitimate and justified for a president to investigate corruption and to ask a foreign government to investigate corruption, that they need to make more of the affirmative case. So you've argued a lot of high-profile cases. So what you're saying is maybe we're missing a little bit of the... 30,000-foot view. We're missing a little bit of the big picture from the White House. You can get lost in the weeds, and it's easy to do it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't want that to happen to the American people. They just see a lot of bickering. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The underlying, if you want to understand this case in one sentence, can the president investigate corruption? Yes or no? Okay. And, and the Democrats are saying, no, you can't investigate corruption, that he couldn't ask Ukraine to investigate Burisma, this natural gas company, because Joe Biden, his son, was making millions of dollars from him. And that is nuts. Look, <laughs> right. look, it's not a very good argument. Any president has the authority to investigate corruption, but, but has the responsibility to investigate corruption. And so, so I think we need to be talking more about the substance. So today, though, President Trump's lawyers didn't get to talk at all. So we're in opening arguments. So today was all day long, nothing but House Democrats. It was mm-hmm. the Adam Schiff show. That's, that's not easy to say three times, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there's there's uh, some slips that come in there sometimes. <laughs> but they were presenting their case. And as I said, it's all focused on proving things that, that everyone agrees to. How did they do in the sense of the political theater. Do, do you think, if you're just judging this from the effectiveness of, of their objectives, that the House Democrats are making a good argument? Look, I think, for, I think most partisans stayed where they are. Okay. In other words, if you hate President Trump and think he's the embodiment of evil, you probably thought today was a wonderful day mm-hmm. because it featured 10 hours of House Democrats describing how horrible Donald Trump is. Um, if you think... If you think the president has done a good job and we've gotten good results and you're tired of, of, of House Democrats just attacking the presidents all day long, then today was really hard to listen to. And, mm-hmm. and it was made worse by the fact that it was incredibly repetitive. So yesterday when we were having procedural arguments, the House Democrats basically gave their opening argument. Right. And then today they turned around and gave the same thing. So they keep making the same points and playing the same clips and reading the same quotes over and over and over again. And we've got two more days of opening arguments. We're going to spend all day long tomorrow, all day long the next day with right. them making those but, same but arguments. But did anything new happen 
in, in terms of the Democrats' case? I, I think the single biggest thing, and I think, I think the House Democrats made a strategic mistake, which is they opened the door to Hunter Biden testify. Hmm. Now, here's why. Adam Schiff got up and he argued, in his opening argument, he based their whole case on the proposition that the two investigations that the president asked for were sham investigations. I want, I want to read you a little bit from what Adam Schiff said. He said, he said that he, he, they, he, he, the president wanted Ukraine to, to launch investigations, quote, that were completely without merit, that were sham investigations. Uh, that He later says the allegations are untrue and they've, quote, been widely debunked, patently false. So that's the central question, that these hmm. investigations are untrue. Now, let's take Burisma, which is the most important of the investigations. Okay. Burisma, big natural gas company, has had major problems with corruption. Tomorrow when we talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about the evidence on Burisma that, that the White House lawyers have laid out and, and the media doesn't want to talk about. I want to drill down. We'll, we'll do it tomorrow because yeah. it's going to take a lot of time. Yeah. But I want to drill down into Burisma and Hunter Biden. Because yes. to me, that seems like the whole heart of this impeachment question. It, it is the whole ball of wax. Now... The Democrats, look, in, in the House, House Republicans wanted to call Hunter Biden as a witness. And, and Adam Schiff said no, <laughs> said we're not allowing you. And it, it was interesting, yesterday uh, Adam Schiff said, if you have a trial and don't allow the defendant to put on evidence of innocence, it's not a fair trial. Right. And, and, and it, was, you know, it was all I could do not to laugh out loud because that's what they did in the House because they based their whole case on arguing that asking for an investigation into Burisma is false and completely without merit, it raises not just as relevant, but, but as central to, def to the defense, okay, what evidence was there that this was real corruption that needed to be investigated? And even beyond, I mean, because I, I think w when you get into this Ukrainian company and this relative of Joe Biden, it's, it's easy to get lost in it. I just wonder if you're investigating the question of whether Trump should or should not have asked for this investigation, right. if, if whether that's an impeachable offense. Perhaps the most important person to talk to and get testimony from would be Hunter Biden. To ask him, and by the way, I don't know as a fact that it was corrupt. There's a lot of indication right. that it could well have been but the House Democrats have had zero interest in asking, and they run around with their hair on fire if you even suggest that anyone would ask, much less ask Joe Biden, you know, hey, Joe, why, why was your son getting paid a million bucks a year by a gas company? We didn't know anything about gas. I, I, mean, I mean, this is not subtle and sophisticated. Right. But if the House Democrats are going to stop that, they do not want Hunter Biden to testify. Obviously, Joe Biden is right now the front runner in the 2020 Democratic presidential race. So they really don't want Hunter Biden to testify. Last time I checked, although I, believe, although I do have to say, I kind of wonder if Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and Klobuchar are, are, are secretly rooting, <laughs> root, rooting for Joe and Hunter to testify. But, but they haven't indicated that. At they least. have not yet. However, they could give a little support to their Republican colleagues because last time I checked, it is your political party that controls the Senate. So can the Republicans in the Senate make Hunter Biden testify before the Senate? Absolutely. It takes 51 votes. Huh. 51 Republicans, we can call Hunter Biden. Now, the way it works actually is the parties call, call the witnesses. Okay. So what it would mean is President Trump's lawyers, 
if they want to call Hunter Biden, I've been saying for months, we ought to call Hunter Biden. Why? Look, the prosecutors, the House Democrats, they had 17 witnesses in the House. They built the prosecution side um, in what was basically a kangaroo court where you say only prosecution witnesses and we don't allow the White House to call witnesses. So you've got 17 witnesses for the anti-Trump pro-impeachment side. And you've got zero witnesses The president for the has not been able to call a single witness. Wow. Now, if the president could call one, I'm pretty sure it would be Hunter Biden. <laughs> yeah. If the president could call two, it might be Hunter Biden and the so-called whistleblower. If he could call three, my guess is Joe Biden might be number three hmm. on that. We can call those witnesses or any others, and it just takes 51 votes. We have 53 Republicans. So if you simply have Republicans saying, you know what? We want to have a fair trial. One side has had all their witnesses. The other side, the defendant, the accused, has had zero witnesses. That's not fair. Um, so is it going to happen? I mean, is, is the White House going to call Hunter Biden to testify? So it's up in the air. Um, the fight we had yesterday as we adopted basically the same scheduling order the Clinton impeachment trial had, which is we'll go through opening arguments and questions from senators first, and then we'll decide whether additional witnesses are needed. Okay. And so the House Democrats, they want to call a bunch of additional witnesses. The big one they're focusing on is John Bolton. Mm -hmm. John Bolton was the national security advisor right. to President Trump. They think they're going to get some dirt on Trump out of John Bolton. Uh, that, 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 that is their big focus. Next week, the Senate is going to vote whether we're going to have additional witnesses or not. And, and it's going to make... A, a big difference because, you know, one of the things you and I were talking about a little earlier is how long is this thing going to last? I really want to know that because I don't live in Washington, <laughs> D.C., so i got to make some plans. Well, the vote next week on witnesses will make a massive difference. Okay. If 51 senators vote ne next week, we don't need any more witnesses. We've got all, all the evidence we need. Then the trial will end next week. We'll move to final judgment, and, and if and when that happens, the president will be acquitted because, because the House Democrats haven't proven their case. Okay. On the other hand, if 51 senators vote that we do need additional witnesses, then it's Katie bar, bar the door. Then this thing could easily last weeks or even months. You could see six, seven, eight, nine weeks, because if you go down and additional witnesses, you're, you're opening the door to litigation, to assertion of privileges, to all sorts of delays. We could be sitting here months from now with the impeachment trial still going on. If we call additional witnesses. But if you call additional witnesses, then we might finally hear from Hunter Biden. Now, my, my question on this, though, is... And by the way, if we do call additional witnesses, I'm very confident we'll call Hunter Biden. But if, if you call Hunter Biden, or rather, if the White House calls right. Hunter Biden to testify before the Senate, can't Hunter Biden just say, I don't want to answer your questions... I plead the fifth, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to say anything. So he can, and if we call Hunter Biden, he will almost certainly plead the fifth. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's a federal statute that gives the Senate the authority to grant him what's called transactional immunity, which means we can force him to testify. Now, he can't be prosecuted for anything he testifies to. Okay. But you can find out, you can get huh. his testimony, and that's something the Senate can do Grant him immunity. And I got to say, that idea, you want to talk about something to terrify 47 Democrats in the Senate? It is the fact that the Senate could grant Hunter Biden immunity and hear his testimony about whether, in fact, there was corruption from Joe Biden. And let's be clear, this is not about, look, Hunter Biden is a guy who's led a troubled life. Yes, this is not yes. about him. This is the question about whether his dad abused his power. So, in other words, I just want to be very clear about this. 
Hunter Biden could be called to testify and he could say, I don't want to testify, I plead the fifth. And if he's going to be held responsible for anything he did, then it ends right. there. However, the Senate can give him immunity so he won't be held responsible for any crimes he commits. And, and no reporter in Washington knows this or understands this. But, but the Senate can force Hunter Biden to testify. Uh, you can, and I, I'll give an example. Take a criminal case. This is something prosecutors do all the time. Yeah. Let's say you have a criminal case and you have, say, uh, uh, you know, some drug dealers that, that, that you're investigating, and you've got, say, a low-level guy, a drug dealer. You'll see prosecutors that'll give that drug dealer immunity to flip on the higher-ups mm -hmm. and to make them testify Give them immunity to flip on the higher-ups. It's, it's the same basic principle. Immunity is not always a good thing because it means you can be forced to testify or be put in jail if you don't. That is a lot of leverage. I have to tell you, Senator, I have not heard that anywhere else. I had I, no idea that the Senate could make Hunter Biden testify. Well, reporters don't want to talk about it. Huh. Reporters don't want to talk about Burisma at all. They don't want to talk about the, the, the evidence of corruption. I mean, I mean they're, they, and in fact, you know, it's even funnier than that. So the Joe Biden campaign is sending out angry letter letters to media reporters saying, whenever you mention the allegations of corruption, you must state on air these are false and have been disproven. In what other instance <laughs> are so-called reporters becoming an advocate? Right. Look, I don't know if, the, if there was corruption or not. I do know that there's prima facie evidence of mm -hmm. it. And I, I know one way to find out. I, at a minimum, the House Democrats don't even want to ask the questions, huh. and, and, and we ought to ask the questions. Now, are we going to have additional witnesses? I don't know. Right. Next week when we vote on it, all 47 Democrats will vote yes. The question is, are there going to be four Republicans that vote yes? Hmm. Maybe. I think, if I, not, I think I could uh, name a few Republicans who I, might be likely to. There are, there are three who have spoken publicly about being open to it. Mm-hmm. It's not clear if there's a fourth. It's not clear if those three will vote. Right. If we have additional witnesses, we're going on for a long time. But that means we may get John Bolton in, but we're going to get Hunter Biden. We may get other witnesses, too. This is the best argument I've heard so far for dragging this thing onward. Obviously, we've got a whole lot more to get to. We will be getting into Hunter Biden and Burisma and corruption in Ukraine specifically tomorrow. Yeah because I know pretty much nothing about it, and you know pretty much everything about it. So I want to I hear that. Obviously, people need to subscribe and leave a five-star review, please, to this show. It is Verdict with Ted Cruz, and we are now up on Apple Podcasts. We are on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We are everywhere you get your podcasts. One thing we want to we do in these shows, because there is, there is so much to cover, is take uh, your questions from the mailbag. So we have a few of these today that came out after our first episode. In just our remaining one or two minutes here, let's try to get through a couple of them. All right. From Timmy. Senator Cruz, who fell asleep? 22 hours of testimony, who fell asleep? So there's been some reporting that accused Jim Risch of falling asleep. I didn't see that. <laughs> I got to admit, at points, I kind of feel like all of us fell asleep. Did I you mean, fall asleep? I mean, asleep? it was, I, I didn't formally nod off. I, I will say, so, so Jim's defense <laughs> and, and, and his press spokesperson said he was closing his eyes and listening contemplatively. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've tried that with Heidi at home. I'm not, I'm not sure that it story always works. That's not a great excuse, no. Uh, but, but I got to admit, last night, so... I, I will say when we were there at two in the morning, I was asking Chuck Grassley, yeah. you know, Iowa farmer, 86 years old, 
Chuck is an early bird. And I asked Chuck last night, I said, all right, what time do you get up each morning? And Chuck said, four. Now, he said he didn't get up. I didn't ask him what time he got up today, but he said, I won't get up at 4 a.m. When he was there at 2, he, he was slept still in. still at the Senate at 4 a.m. But, but it was, you know, look, we, met, we stayed awake. I'm not sure much of America did, but, but the 100 senators, by and large, stayed I, awake. That almost sounds like you're pleading the fifth. This brings up the immunity arguments. I don't, we'll have to get into that tomorrow. Well, uh, final question from Carl. Do you think, Senator, that they will try to impeach President Trump again if this one fails? I think there'll certainly be Democrats that want to. They could easily. Um, I don't think Pelosi wants to. So one of the interesting things, you look a year ago, Pelosi was saying, don't impeach Trump. Hmm? A partisan impeachment doesn't work. I think Pelosi thinks impeachment, I think she thought it was going to backfire. I think she thinks it's backfired now. Right. And, And basically the far left that hates Trump dragged her into doing this. So I was having a conversation with with one of the other Republican senators today who was saying, why are they doing this now? Why didn't they do this in June or July? And that was my comment to him is, I think Pelosi thinks this is a political loser Mm -hmm. and she wants to get it over with. So will the extreme left want to try to impeach Trump over and over and over again? Yes, but I'd be surprised if the House goes down this road again. It didn't even occur to me that they could try to impeach him again. I mean, I guess there have been a, a whole bunch of excuses for impeachment since the beginning. Six out of seven of the House Democrat impeachment managers actually supported impeachment before we knew anything about the current excuse to impeach Trump. A lot of these Democrats called for impeaching Trump within days of his being elected, before he'd been sworn in. So this has nothing to do with Ukraine. This has to do with Trump derangement syndrome. And and that's going to continue regardless. And yet, somewhere at the heart of all this that nobody's talking about and the press are not covering— is this incident, this corruption in Ukraine, the question of Burisma, the question of Hunter Biden. We will have to get and, into and all of that And by the way, tomorrow. the Obama administration wouldn't investigate it. The Obama mm. Justice Department wouldn't investigate it. There was no accountability. And I got to say, when I'm back home in Texas, the frustration about folks in the prior administration who abused power and were never held accountable, that frustration is massive and, 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 and it still needs to be dealt with. Are they going to be held accountable? From the past administration? Look, I hope so. They haven't been so far, and, 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 and they need to be. The, the law needs to be enforced fairly regardless of party, which means the whole Democratic argument that just because Joe Biden is vice president, you can't investigate when, when there's enormous evidence of corruption. That, that's a pretty bogus argument. It's a pretty weak argument. I think Hopefully, we'll be able to just dismantle it tomorrow night. But we've got, to, we've got to get you ready to go back on the Hill and listen to another 10 hours of impeachment debate in this trial. Senator, thank you as always. See you manana. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. We'll see you tomorrow. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 